Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and A.J. All right, so this is what Arnie believes, and I also tend to agree, is the greatest round of boxing ever. ever. It's the first round of the marvelous Marvin Hagler versus Tommy Hitman Hearns fight. So I'm not going to build it up. I'm just going to show you. Watch this this round of boxing, and then we're going to get Marvin on the phone. And here we go. Round one. Hagler, right off the bat, attempting to get inside. He'd love to be able to pin Hearns on the ropes if he can. A more aggressive start by Hagler. Look at him right for the body. Marvin Hagler only wants the body. He bangs Marvin. Now, the only thing that you could actually say to that you know, is holy shit. <laughs> it's this unbelievable. Was, it was an unbelievable right, round. Let's get marvelous. Both sides. Back and forth and back and forth. And... 
Hello. Hello, Marvelous Marvin. It's Mark and AJ from Sports Talk New York. How you doing this evening? Okay, Mark. How are you? We right now we're we, exhausted we, because we just showed the first round of Hagler Hearns. And no. I, I told, I turned to AJ and said, the only thing that describes that is holy sh. Because yeah. that is the single best round of boxing I've ever seen. It, it absolutely it incredible. So, so what, 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 what do you remember about that? And we will watch the round. And people watching the show just watch the round. Who do you think won that round? The, what, the fight? That round. No, the round. That first round. That first round. Oh, yeah, I think I took it right from the beginning. Um, You know, I respected him a lot. You know, I knew he had a big, powerful right hand. But uh, after I went through the... uh his right hand, I knew that uh, that's your best shot, buddy. So uh, <laughs> now it's my turn, and now let me uh, pour it on. Uh, you know, obviously I would have to say that you are probably one of the greatest middleweight boxers of all time. Um, p- tremendous professional career. You fought 67 times, winning 62 bouts, 52 by knockdown, and only three times, and lost only three times. And, and all those fights were only knocked down once. And that might have also been that a slip. Been right, that was, that was a slip, slip against Juan Roldan. I knew that was going to be the case. So first off, do you prefer to be called Marvelous or Marvin or Marvelous Marvin? You just said it, marvelous. <laughs> okay, so now you had your name legally changed, correct? Right. Um, you know, I felt this though that when uh, I was fighting, I guess, years ago, you know, for television, uh, what was the sports, uh, I forget the, you know, so many years, but, uh, you know, they, if they can call Sugar Ray Leonard uh, Sugar and call Muhammad Ali Muhammad, I mean, what's the matter with you uh, uh, saying marvelous or my name? So uh, they says, well, you know, uh, the problem is is that your name is too long and it can't fit on the screen. I don't believe that. So <laughs> I went and I had something done about it. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. I so, love it. So, all right. So, Okay, Marvelous. Well, anyway, I feel a Marvelous anyway. So. <laughs> so, Marvelous, you moved from Newark, New Jersey to Brockport, Mass, a young teenager when you began to box. What led you into the, the sport and which were the boxers of the time that you looked up to? At the time, I would I have to say, like, great champion was my idol in the sense was uh, Madison, uh, Muhammad Ali, I would say uh, Joe Frazier, because in between Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier, I, I think that that's where I, I found my kind of style. Um, I would say so many great champions, uh, M.L. Griffin, you know, and I used to see these guys' posters on the, on, on the walkway, you know, like on the, on the telephone pole. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's amazing that now, today, when I started seeing my posters up there, it's uh, it's like a dream come true in a sense, you know. I never imagined it. In 1973, at the age of 19, you become the national AAU 165-pound champion. Do you remember much about that fight against Terry Dobbs? Oh, I didn't like it. Like, I don't even like the ones in the professional ones. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that one, Terry Dobbs, I remember this guy saying to... He was talking on the telephone, and he was saying to uh, his mother or his girlfriend, somebody on the phone, that, well, I'm fighting this New England here, and uh, I think it should be an easy knockout because the people from New England and Massachusetts, they can't fight anyway. So uh, I heard that, and I said, well, well I'm going to show this guy something. <laughs> uh, you would remain the number one ranked middleweight for many years, but it seemed it took forever for you to get a, a title shot. Do you know why that was? Yeah, well, I think it had a lot to do with politics and uh, because... Really, the whole thing is like what Joe Frazier told me a long time ago. You know, first of all, you've got three strikes against you. One, you're black. 
two, you're a southpaw, and then three, you're good. Nobody wants to fight you. <laughs> so you finally do get your title shot in November of 79, which although uh, was 29 years ago, it seems like it was yesterday, in what was uh, one of the yeah. greatest championship bouts in middleweight history. You took on Vito Antifermo, about that would end in a draw with Vito retaining the title. Do you ever go back and watch the fight and, and with all your years of knowledge of the ring, sit back there, does any of that less, and because of what you've accomplished, does anything lessen that controversial decision? Because by all accounts, you, you pretty much also won that fight. Yeah, I felt this way I won that fight, and I was hoping, you know, because it was a draw and because he was a champion, he was able to retain his belt. And I always said to myself that I'm hoping that if I'm ever in that particular too, that it was the same thing would happen with me, that because uh, if they don't knock me down or knock me out, you know, that I would still remain champion of the world, which it didn't happen, as you know. <laughs> but uh, I felt as though that through all those hard um, years and, and, and being denied of a shot at the title only made me that much tougher and made me that much meaner. And uh, I knew that maybe one day if God was with me that I would get that opportunity. And if I get that opportunity, I was going to take it. So now Vito loses the crown to Alan Mintner, who gives you your next shot at the title. You travel to London to take on a guy who says this publicly, no black man will take my title. How do you react to something like that? Well, you know, I remember walking around uh, in London, and then I looked at the newspaper. Julie, I don't look at any press releases or anything like that before the fight. And uh, I seen this big thing there, you know, big uh, word that no black guy is ever going to take my title. It upset me a little bit, and I went back, talked to a manager and trainer, and they were saying to me, I was hoping that you would never look at that paper or listen to anybody that, that tells you what this guy is, what he's saying. You know, in my way of feeling, I, I believe in boxing as a sport, you know, and... Uh, and there's no prejudice or race or anything like that that comes in between. It's a sport, you know, and no color should have anything to do with it. So now this guy here has got to pay for being stupid. <laughs> so now even worse than him being stupid, you take him out in three rounds, a riot breaks exactly. out. Bottles are thrown so, at right. you. And, and I believe you are the only <laughs> champion to not receive his belt in, in the ring. <laughs> you you got that in the locker room, correct? Yes, and... Uh, you know, I, I I think about that often sometimes, you know, when I see these other guys um, receiving their belts in the ring after they won, you know, and I was denied of that because of the English fans of throwing uh, bottles and stuff at me. But uh, when I went down to my, my knees and thank God for finally giving my gift after all this long and strong and, uh, and, and uh, strenuous workouts, that uh, I received what I wanted, you know, because... Uh, this is what I want. I believed all, all along that I was the middleweight champion of the world. You remain a very busy champion with, with defenses against some very good boxers. I mean, that, you take a look at the, the boxing profession now or even towards the tail end of, of uh, you know. Don't make that. Don't make that. Well, that, that's, uh, you know, I kind of think that boxing died the day that Mike Tyson lost. Uh, for some well, reason. It, well, I think that, you know, what happens to me is that a lot of people don't watch the boxing anymore after that um, that decision was they said that I lost with Sugar Ray Leonard. A lot of people um, don't even watch the boxing game anymore, not because of Tyson. I liked it, Tyson, um, because Tyson reminded me a lot of myself. He was very hungry, aggressive, 
and uh, and determined. And I believe that's what every fighter has got to have inside his heart and his mind, you know. And uh, that was me. Well, that that's just it. In fact, we had this discussion tonight, AJ and I, because we my son is is um, twenty years old and had never seen this fight. And I told him you have to. Watch. I said this is better because they're all into this UFC, this Ultimate Fighting, you know, champion, the um, kickboxing, kickboxing whatever. whatever, fighting, scratching, kicking, whatever. No, no holds barred. But but I'm forty eight, and I grew up in a time where you know going back, and I love the fight game, going back to, to Joe Frazier, Muhammad Ali, you know, Oscar Bonavena, then through all the middleweights, you know, you, Hearns, Sugar Ray, I mean, the, the height of boxing, the, the, the height of boxing, now there's nothing. I know that, but see, what I wanted to do in my division was to bring back the respect and the dignity in the middleweight division by guys like Gene Fulmer, Sugar Ray Robinson, I mean, Emerald Griffin, all great uh, middleweight champions, you know, and I wanted to uh, be one of these guys here, and I wanted to bring the respect back into my division, and that's what I done. Now, now, AJ and I spoke about this, and we showed the clip also. Um, arguably, maybe the two. How you doing, AJ? Anyway. Okay, I'm here. I'm letting Mark uh, do most of the talking. I'll <laughs> jump in. <laughs> but we we were talking about that round, and, and also another middleweight round. You know, Sugar Ray Leonard versus Wilfredo Benitez, maybe also one of the greatest rounds of boxing. Um, but your round, you know, that fight, were you shocked that Hearns came out and tried to stand toe-to-toe with you? No, that's what the, that's what our game plan was. We kind of figured that he was going to do that, so we were prepared. I trained very hard for that fight. I think I worked like two and a half months for that fight. And, uh, I was really just ready to get it on. I mean, uh, in, in a boxing match like that, there's nothing personal. It's just something that you got to do. Now, you, you say nothing personal. Now, the Sugar Ray Leonard, you know, um, fight with you, all right, which, you know, that fight. <laughs> now, okay. Now, let me ask you. Now, this is interesting because growing up, like I told you about being a boxing fan, you know, with Ali and Frazier, you always had to pick a side, okay? I was always I was always Smoking Joe. I loved Smoking Joe. Smoking Joe was my guy. All right. With you and Sugar Ray, for some reason, you didn't have to pick a side because you two guys were just so great. So I, I, I guess the question is, you know, I'm in a room. Uh, I watch this fight. I remember it, it, a place called Water's Edge in Long Island City. Back a closed the circuit. Closed circuit. Closed circuit. Wasn't, wasn't pay-per-view in your house. And I, I tell you, That's... during the fight, everyone's emotion shifted from one side back to the other. Everyone seemed to be exactly. rooting for both of you guys. Well, now, why do you think that is? Well, because in that fight, I think that you had two um, personalities that uh, people love. You know, um, you, they considered me as a slugger, which I wasn't. It was a boxer um, against a pretty boy. I mean, you know, so. <laughs> no, I, I didn't mean to laugh. Like that. <laughs> okay. So many, so many people before that fight, you know, they says, oh, don't hurt him. I mean, you know, he's got a nice looking face. Don't destroy his face. He only got, uh, he, he's losing his eyesight. I says, well, if he's stupid enough to get in the ring with me, I'm stupid enough to take his eye out. I mean, <laughs> but uh, the fight, I believe, is because it was two personalities that uh, the fans really loved, you know. It was a tremendous fight. I take nothing away. I, you know, I don't take nothing away from it also. Um, but uh, it, it's a fight that I felt as though that I won, and I believe still in my heart that I won that fight. And uh, I feel as though that in order to be able to be the champion, I think that 
you would have to knock them out and like knock them down or beat them successfully, in which nothing like that happened. Um, that was my turning point when all through my career I'd been going through these things and I was tired of it. I was tired of it. That was it. You know, I won the fight and like I said, I still feel it inside my heart. I still feel as champion and nothing has changed for me. So you you didn't get a rematch from Sugar Ray, which you really wanted, and when you didn't, you decided, well, it's time to pack it in. What made you decide to move to Italy? You know, the thing is, the toughest part is to say goodbye to something that you really love, you know. And uh, I had to think about it, and I was hoping, you know, hanging around and waiting for this guy to maybe give me the opportunity which I gave him and which it never happened. And there's no sense for me hanging around and getting older like you see a lot of the fighters today, which is incredible that these guys are fighting at that age, where I believe for me it's not the money, it was the love for the sport. And I believe that, um, you know, if, you know, it's, it's a strange thing to say, but, I mean, it's so difficult to say, but boxing is my love and my life, you know, and, and I've always said that if you were to open up my head, you would probably find a big boxing world. <laughs> so, you know, you talked about people fighting at, at, at different ages, at older ages, and there's a fight coming up this weekend. It's Evander Holyfield. He's 46 years old. He's been out of the ring for a while. What's your reaction to a guy like that coming back at 46 and, and just not wanting to pack it in, wanting to well, pack one more fight? I feel as though that he's in a financial problem or something like that in order to keep it going. But uh, it's a love, too. You know, um, a fighter, if you're a real fighter, it's a burning inside, uh, something that's inside you that still makes you want to fight. But being able to use your head and to get out of the game, like I think I was very fortunate enough to, to get out of the game and with my physical being and my head's okay and uh, and I can go on to something different, which, I, which I've been doing. I've been doing films and whatever. In another five years, I thought, you know, at, at least I can uh, get myself established in another career, and that's what I've been trying to do. But how did you get to Italy? Why Italy? Why not stay in this country? You know, why not someplace? Well, how, why Italy of all places? Well, you know, because I fought in Italy before, and basically I loved the people. I felt that the people there, they had good hearts, you know, and uh, I loved the culture. Plus, I loved the pasta. It's a good pasta. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're not looking like Mike Tyson's looking now, then. I don't want to see no, that. No, 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 no. Okay. My main thing is to stay in shape, okay. you know, and, uh, because basically, you know, I'm still looking for another film, hopefully um, by the end of this year. And uh, also, like, I've been working with a lot of television uh, variety shows over in Italy. And then I've been just creating for the last three years, but I finally got it. I got my uh, perfect uh, perfume. <laughs> I made a perfume, which is called Simply Marvelous. Hey, nice name, huh? Nice name. <laughs> Great <You> know, name. <laughs> Did Billy Crystal give you that name? This got a knockout punch, and I think the girls will <laughs> like it. I, I, uh, I will tell you, it is not cheap. I found it on, oh, your, no. web, on your website. No, it's great. Marvelous said that a woman is going to love it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the thing is, is that I'm hoping to get uh, a lot of people for a Christmas present for this year. Okay. And why I'm on the phone, I want to say Merry Christmas to all my fans out there that are listening, yeah. you know, to your show and stuff. And I wish them all a Merry Christmas to, uh, to them and to their families, you know. Uh, I want to do that. And uh, look, I want to give you my website where you can buy my perfume before I hang up. It's www.marvelous.com.
I mean, RobinAgra.com.